Welcome to the East Coast Music Association's Radio ECMA podcast, presented by TD. From songwriting to stage, we discover what makes music happen in Atlantic Canada. Turn up that radio dial. Here's your host, Chris Batstone. ECMA podcast. So happy you decided to join us today, presented by TD. Thank you very much, TD, for all that you do for East Coast music. And I'm so happy to be back. And was super, super happy to go to Fredericton and host Radio ECMA Live, which is just incredible. And I have a real special treat for you right now. We're going to go behind the scenes of the Radio ECMA podcast and bring this guy on here because he's got lots to talk about. The producer of the Radio ECMA podcast, Anthony Carew. Welcome, Tony. Hey, thanks, Chris. How you doing? Oh, good, good, my friend. Thanks for jumping on the podcast. I know you're working really hard, and thanks for all the work that you do on the podcast. I appreciate that. And uh, you're here to talk about the East Coast Music Awards, and a lot of things are open right now, right? We got the submissions for awards and showcases open. There's a couple of really great changes there that I'm excited to announce. Artists can now apply to two genre-specific categories. Um, before we only did one, but to be more reflective of where music is and all the hybrid and country hip hop and everything else that's going on in the industry right now, we really want it to be more inclusive. Right. And also with that in mind, we've made that change where pop recording of the year is now a crossover category. Oh. So technically you could apply to three genres, um, pop and either of the other two more specific categories. Okay. All right. Well, I love that combination. And, and you're so right. And, and one of the artists that we're going to bring out here in the second half of the podcast is Kiera. And she has a uh, a lot of musical styles going on in her work. And uh, Morgan Tony's on the podcast today. And he combines Celtic music and indigenous music really, really well. So, yeah, that's great. I, I love that new initiative. And tell me about um, the other things that are open here uh, as far as uh, juries go. And, uh, and the benefits there of uh, applying to be a juror for ECMA. Oh, jurying is so invaluable. It's how I really got my start in the industry. It was when, uh, after a lot of volunteering, I started to get into the jury process and see how true um, industry teams are formed and discovering all kinds of great new music. Um, this year, we've also got a new uh, initiative where one juror will win um some ECMA gear and three nights in a hotel for ECMA 2023 in Halifax. Uh, and all jurors who finish 100% of their assignments are given one-year ECMA individual membership, ticket to the Thursday awards show, and a festival pass. Um, so get out there. The applications for that are open. If you have any questions, you can reach me at membership at ecma.com. Um, or sorry, yep, membership at ecma.com That's or it. the website um, ecma.com was also loaded with um, all this information and more. Um, and we've also made showcases. I also would like to touch on showcasing. Real yeah, brief. go ahead. Um, we've made that easier to apply to as well. Now there's only two applications, one for general showcasing and one for the export showcases. Yeah. Um, look at the eligibility for, for both. Um, almost all artists can apply for the general showcases. Um, and then the more experienced artists who are ready to take their career uh, on the road um, should look at the export showcases and what it means to be export ready in Atlantic Canada. Yeah, and um, and the the export showcase for the ACMA is is actually very very renowned and and respected around the industry. It, it it's kind of 
as far as showcasing goes, the like the gold standard of showcasing and uh, um, earlier podcasts that we had um, in, in season one, uh, we were talking about um, how to showcase. And uh, if you uh, go back into the episodes, you'll hear the story of Stephen Lewis and the big band of fun and uh, how they showcased and how it was um, really, really successful for them. The Export Showcase is, is, uh, is just an incredible thing, and I congratulate you on that. What advice would you have for people applying for showcases, applying for awards? What's one piece of advice that you would give them? Be thorough with the applications. Um, look at the criteria in the manuals and make sure that the application reflects the criteria that we're looking for and give the jurors all that they need. I hope that we've done a good job in creating the forms and making space for that information. Um, once again, you can always reach out if you feel there are improvements that could be made for next year. We're ever growing and always listening to the membership and love communicating with artists. So feel free to reach out, um, but be thorough in that application process and be proud. Um, a lot of artists are kind of feel like it's tooting their own horn. Um, and in the developing stages, if you don't have a manager, or you don't have a label, a lot of independent artists, the majority of artists who apply are self-applying, doing the submissions themselves. And, you know, be proud of what you did and that you're able to put together that submission and uh, put your best foot forward. Yeah, that's great advice, and I'm reminded of a piece of advice uh, uh, talking to Bob Hallett once from Great Big Z, and and he told me um, advice that he gives young artists is to um, take the mantle, you know, like identify yourself as an artist, identify yourself as a really good artist, like take the mantle and and, and really get up on that pedestal. So, um, so I love that. Also, you know, I've been encouraged people to... Uh, when they're talking about showcases and awards for the ECMA to have a listen to two podcasts in particular that we did last season. And this was uh, applying for showcase and awards from the artist perspective and also from the industry perspective. And that was in season two of the radio ECMA podcast. Very, very informative. And you get both sides of the industry, like what the jury is looking for in a showcase and an, and an awards scenario and and also you know what the artist can do like you were saying be really really thorough and uh and make sure you're giving the jury what they want i think that's incredible advice good stuff thank you very much tony for hopping on here i know you're a busy guy but uh, hoping you're going to stick around for the rest of the podcast we got two great artists that you have lined up for me to interview and and i thank you for doing that kiera in the uh in the second half of the podcast and and morgan tony Maybe you could just touch on uh, how artists can get on the Radio ECMA podcast. You can email me at membership at ecma.com. I also pay attention to the submissions for um, the awards and showcases. And I look at our Mias as well and to see who's active in the community. And this is a place where we can really do outreach and diversify. But if you want to put your name forward, uh, membership at ecma.com is the best way to do that. I would appreciate a couple of social links and a link to your music so I can just have a quick listen. Um, and yeah, the rest of the podcast will definitely be I'm sticking around for without a doubt. And just wanted to mention that submissions close uh, for awards and showcases on September 30th. 
and we have office hours available on Wednesdays. Um, so if you want to actually have a conversation with me, we can do that as well. Okay, great. And and that's really good advice. And and one thing as well, the in the industry podcast that we did in the Applying for Showcases and Awards podcast in season two, the overall thing that everybody mentioned was to apply early. You know, really make an effort to apply early and make sure that you're you're getting your thing in there just as soon as the awards and showcase applications start. Great. Anthony Carew, producer of the Radio ECMA podcast, jumping on the podcast. Thank you very much, bro. Cheers, Chris. Much appreciated. All right, great. And we're going to move into our first artist. This is an indigenous Celtic artist from Cape Breton, and he's got such a fascinating style. His first album, First Flight, is out right now. We're going to hear a cut from that and then a full interview with Morgan Tony coming up. But first, this is Emsit Nogama. Morgan Tony is next on the Radio ECMA podcast. We look to the great spirit for guidance to walk in harmony, to conquer our enemies, the greatest ones are within you see. Take in the beauty of the day and the sun going down So when my life is at its end I may leave with this message to send I'm sitting over long For all alive, the trees, the air I'm sitting over long This is how we end our prayer I'm sitting over long for all the life, the trees, the air Him sitting over among This is how we end our prayer That's Emsit Nogama from Morgan Tony on the radio ECMA podcast. And as promised, Morgan Tony is here with me. Welcome, sir. 
Hey, how's it going? It's excellent. Going excellent. And so glad that you're here. You know what? You are my very first artist guest on the brand new season oh. of the Radio ECMA podcast. That is amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's that's great news. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. And and I want you to tell me all about that song, uh, Msit Nogama. Yeah. So Msit Nogama is the very first song that Keith Mullins and I have written together as a team. And usually how our songwriting goes is uh, we just have a conversation. We start off uh, with a conversation and talking about issues that, you know, we are going through as a nation or, you know, stuff that we are proud of that we're, you know, we want to celebrate. And we're thinking about all these things. And I, I think Imsit Nogama really set the tone for the album. And, you know, when you listen to the lyrics, we're talking very broadly, you know, and we're talking about the teachings of the Mi'kmaq people. Right. And Imsit Nogama translates to all of my relations. Okay. And it's, it's a really beautiful phrase that you can hear at ceremonies and prayers, gatherings. You know, when you hear this little phrase, it's really important that, uh, you know, you take in the information that you heard. And then, you know, how I relate to it and how I describe all my relations is that no matter who we are, no matter where we come from, you know, our journeys are connected somewhere, somehow. There's a reason why we are here today. There's a reason why our journeys are together. And Imsit Nogma, that song, it talks about all the stuff that we see here on Earth. You know, we're talking about Mother Earth. We're talking about the trees, the air, the water, all the stuff that we are on today, that we are standing on. And we wanted to show appreciation to Mother Earth that we are here and that she, you know, she welcomes us and we got to take good care of her because, you know, we've been, we weren't doing so good you know, <laughs> taking care of Mother Earth. It's true. <laughs> in the past. Yeah, in the past. So, you know, it's just our, our little um, appreciation to Mother Earth in Sidnogama. Yeah. And, and it really comes through. Um, you know, not just in the lyrical presentation, but also in the musical presentation. You know, it, it's a it's a very spiritual song, and right. uh, and really has that um, that gravitas of being yes. a spiritual song. So um, I, I really love that, and uh, and I love your album First Flight, and and we're going to talk about that now in a few moments. But right now, I just want to I just want to take you back here. You you, you were born on the uh, Wegoma First Nation there on Cape Breton Island. I want you to tell me about your upbringing and your upbringing in music. And I want you to tell me how that relates to Phil Collins, <laughs> which seems kind of a, a strange leap to take, but I want you to tell me about that story. Yeah. So, you know, growing up, there wasn't really that much music happening in my life, you know, and it's something I never taught about as a kid. You know, when me and my mom would just travel around, keep Red and Island, we'd listen to the radio, whatever's playing. But she had a lot of CDs of a lot of Cape Breton artists, you know, well-known artists. Um, you know, Rita, Rain uh, Rita McNeil, the Rankin family, the Barry McNeils, you know, Natalie McMaster, Buddy McMaster. Yeah. All of these artists that we know today as the GOATs, you know, the greatest of all times, the legends. Yeah. You know, we, we listened to all these people growing up. And... Um, but, you know, it's something that I didn't uh, really listen to, you know, because I wasn't really musical. I wasn't really a musical child until my teenage years. Right. So when I was around maybe seven, 
Yeah. I went over to my uncle Fabian's house, uh, who was, he lived right next door to my house and I would go over, visit him all the time. But this one visit, I remember this one visit, I walked in and I heard something blasting from the living room. He had this big surround sound all set up. Yeah. And then, um, I walked in and I heard a full band. Mm. I didn't know what it was, but I heard it, and I was <laughs> I was amazed. Yeah. And then I walked myself into the living room, and there he was sitting on his recliner, and he was watching this Feral Tour DVD that Phil Collins did a couple of years back. Well, sure. I shouldn't say a couple of years back. It was in 2004. Right, right. Uh, so it was a brand new movie that came out, a couple of years old. And I just remember, I didn't even say hello to him, which is very odd. I always say hello to him, we hug and everything. Yeah. But I sat on the floor, and I was just just watching everything, you know, unravel in front of me and i was amazed and like people were it was packed it was sold out the whole arena was sold out it was amazing and then after the dvd was over i looked at him and i told him what was that you know <laughs> 70 year old kid and he was like that was phil collins you know what morgan i know that you liked it here take this home you know let's we'll go watch it at home if you want yeah so I, I took it home and not a word to lie i would watch that dvd every day after school wow and bring down big pots and pans from the kitchen and start playing along with Phil Collins, you know, pretending I was Phil Collins. Right. Mom would come down and try to make supper, but, you know, the pots are missing. That's right. And, and you know, and it was um, it was funny, but, you know, that's what kind of got me started. And after watching that for a couple of years, my, my other uncle, my Uncle Bart, he he realized that the pots and pans were getting real dented and he would right. sit on the bird more. <laughs> yeah. And um, so he bought my, he bought me a drum set, you know, oh. which I had, I had for a couple of years. And then um, I would start playing the drums. I didn't know what I was doing, but it sounded good in my ears. And, yeah. and so I think Uncle Bart was driving home one day from work. He works in uh, Sydney there, maritime travel, and he was listening to CBC and on that, on the on the show, there was a guy who just came back from Toronto. He was with a, a rock band called The Trues, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Oh yes, there, uh, Chris. So Sean Dalton was the drummer for The Trues, and he came home to teach drum lessons. You know, and uh, my uncle Bart reached out to him, and he said, "Hey, my my nephew Morgan, he just bought himself a drum set, and I, I he doesn't know what he's doing. We're looking to you if you can." If you can show him the ropes. Yeah. And he did. Then the very next week, we started drum lessons with him. And my uncle paid for their lessons all summer. Wow. And I see him all summer. And I got to do a couple of shows with Sean uh, in Guysboro mm. at the Ferraro School of Music. Favreau School of Music, I'm sorry. And we would do that every year. So that's how I started my musical journey. You know, I was drumming for a little bit. And then I came home. I wanted to uh, I want I wanted to do something with music. I graduated high school, yeah. So I went to university. No names mentioned. I loved the place, but it wasn't my thing. Sure, this particular program was was horrible for me. You know? Right, right. And, uh, I came back home, and I realized that Cape Breton University just put out a music program, and so I applied for it. Yeah. But a lesson that I should have known, and a lesson a teaching that I know now. Is to always read the fine print. Oh, <laughs> yeah, because in that little little box there, it said you have to play the fiddle to get oh. into this program. Okay, and you know, at this time, 
I had a fiddle at home. Well, I think everybody has a fiddle in their home these days in Cape Breton. No doubt. <laughs> and yeah, I went to a meeting with the chair of the music department down there and the meeting was great. I was nervous. And at the very last question that the chair asked me, Morgan, do you have a fiddle at home? And I said, yeah, of course I got a fiddle at home. Yeah. <laughs> and so she assumed that I played. Oh. And then I kind of, I didn't, I, well, I didn't sneak my way in, but I got myself into the program, you know, someone who didn't know how to play the fiddle. Right. And I was like, wait a second, what did I just do? <laughs> it was, you know, everyone else was great, you know, better than I was. Right. And I was just here. This is three and a half years ago. I didn't know what I was doing. Wow. Yeah. And so we have this thing at CBU. It's called Reading Week. It happens twice in the school year, one in November, one in February. So in November, reading week came, I came home and I was like really overwhelmed. I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know what I'm doing. I got myself into a fiddle program and I don't know how to play. <laughs> and so that uncle who gave me the Phil Collins DVD sat me down and he said, you know, there's four people in our family who passed on who wouldn't want you to give up. Yeah. I was like, who are they? What, what do you mean? It's like your great grandfather and three of your late great uncles, which would be his uncles. And he said, they all played the fiddle and they're really, really great at it. It skipped a generation. It totally skipped us, but now it came down to you. And I think it's all connected somehow. Yeah. So I think you should just think about it, take your time and get back into it. And then I did. Wow. And you know, three, three and a half years later, I'm here. And, you know, and I'm really proud that I've had those words of wisdom in my mind. You know, when I was making the album and doing these shows that we're doing now, I didn't give up. No. And I can say now that I'm like, a, I'm a two-time ECMA winner because of those words of wisdom that my uncle gave me. Wow. That's, uh, that's incredible. And uh, I love that. I love that you just never gave up. And, and, uh -huh. uh, and, and here you are. Um, right now, and uh, you know, with the help of your uh, your friend, uh, your producer Keith Mullins, that you've managed to like encapsulate probably the two most popular styles of music in Cape Breton, which is basically um, you know Celtic music and Indigenous music, and 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 make them your sound. And and Indigenous stories, you know, especially over the past couple of years, have really come to the forefront. In Canadian media, as um, all of Canada tries to deal with the realization of the horror of uh, residential schools, and and your album First Flight is um, just an incredible work of telling those indigenous stories. What do those stories mean to you, and and how does it, you know, reflect in your music? Well, you know how I see the whole album is that it's not just my voice you know i'm thinking about all of the people who lived before me all my ancestors the residential school survivors you know the victims of the trauma that happened in yeah. the past and you know that are not being talked about sure um it's really sad so you know when we decided that imsit nogma was going to be the tone for the album we wanted to create a voice and we wanted to share the teachings and the stories that our ancestors passed on to us and you know and to address these issues and to address the traumas that have been you know caused 
by the horrific things that happened in the past. And we had no idea how it would turn out. But, you know, it's something that we wanted to do from the beginning, you know. And um, how I started off is I was getting really uh, well-known for my Mi'kmaq singing. You know, I would go around to gatherings. I would sing Mi'kmaq songs. And then on the other side, I was doing this Celtic fiddle thing on the side. And I had two audiences. And I had to figure out a way how I can put those two audiences together and to bring those two styles together. And the Gojwa, which is probably the most popular song that we have right now, mm -hmm. that's an example. That was the very first thing that we did together, me and Keith, blending those two cultures. Yeah. But, you know, doing stuff like that and bringing our Mi'kmaq music into the mainstream, that is the only thing that I wanted to do. Yeah. And I wanted people just to, just to hear our stories, you know, hear our thoughts and to hear the stuff that we have faced and the stuff that we are still going through today. Yeah. You know, that's all we want. And, you know, maybe this will get us a step further to uh, reconciliation and then get us a step further um, into making our circle bigger, you know, because at how we think about it as Mi'kmaq people, everyone is welcome into our circle. You know, we're not going to turn anyone away. Right. There's room for everybody. There's room for you. There's room for your family. And, you know, we're just reaching out our hand. You know, that's what we're doing. And that's what this album is doing. It's reaching out our hand. Because, you know, I I came up with um I came up with a lot of people, met a lot of people in the past in the past three and a half years who said that they really had no idea about the stuff that we face. And, you know, these issues have just been, you know, looked over, you know. But we were able to create a, a new view, you know, to show them a new perspective on life and how we address these issues and how do we address issues in general. And how I like to think about our shows is that we're providing a presentation. Don't come to dance. That's all that's all good. You people come to dance at our shows, that's awesome. But what we want to do and what we have been doing in the past three and a half years is that we are we are pushing for reconciliation. You know, we're pushing to, for understanding. That's all we want. And, you know, I'm really happy. And I, I can hear from our elders, you know, they come up to me and they say, thank you for sharing my story. And, you know, that's the reason why I'm doing this. It's not for me, but it's for the Mi'kmaq Nation. Right. And, and I think, you know, you're well on your way. Like, your sound is so unique because, like, you do literally blend both of those musical styles in there. Like, even when you're playing, uh, listening to your record, like, even when you're playing a Celtic reel or a jig, you're using indigenous instruments as the backup. And even when you're uh, focusing on the more indigenous part of your music, you're using Celtic instruments as the backup, too. So it's a, it's an incredible blend. And I love that whole idea of reaching across the aisle. And I think that um, you really do that musically. So what's next for you here now? First Light was released uh, just over a year ago. Um, what's next for me? Uh, we're just taking it easy right now. You know, we're, we uh, started, we went back in the studio together, me and Keith, um, last week, you know, just to get back into it. And yeah. it's been it's been a busy year. You know, we've been on the road. 
um, show, showcasing our, uh, our album, and, you know, we're really proud of it. But right now, we're ready to take it a step further. And we're ready to take it a couple steps further. And what we are doing is, you know, we're, um, we're talking more about collaborating with different artists, uh, bringing them in, and, you know, the fiddle sets are going to be all original compositions. And I got a couple already made out. And um, it's going to have a different sound altogether, too. So we're graduating from the sound of the Rootsy vibe. And we're taking it a step further. And um, we're really looking forward to that. All right. Well, I can't wait to hear that. I think that's going to be amazing. And I think that uh, if you know, your success of the past in blending styles is any indication, then you're going to have be successful in uh, bringing in even more styles. So um, I love that. Morgan, Tony, thank you very much for appearing on the Radio ECMA podcast. Thank you so much for having me. There's Morgan. What an incredible sound he has. True combination of Celtic music and indigenous music. And really looking forward to more from Morgan Tony. Going to switch gears now and bring in Kiera from Prince Edward Island. Not originally from PEI, originally from Syracuse, New York. How did she come to be living in Prince Edward Island? We're going to find out all about that, her debut EP, and her new song. This is Dedication. Kiera is next on the Radio ECMA Podcast. Congratulations, yeah, I graduated from low-life calibers who ain't about it. I don't lose no sleeping, drink my aquafine thin, hit my squats in the gym, yeah. I got it like that sugar, honey, iced tea, wanna make me wifey. I'ma need a Grammy for I get a break. Little engine hooker, little misunderstood. Got that magic, it's bright like that, 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 Can I get a hallelujah in the congregation? Thank God. It's a sin to be this bad Look how I get your bag Hit the liquor so fast Catch up, I'll leave you in the past Talk is overrated If you about it, yep Show me Little engine hooker Little misunderstood Got that magic, it's bright like that Can I get a hallelujah In the congregation Thank God For the dedication for that For the dedication for that can I get a hallelujah in the congregation? Thank God for the dedication for that. For the dedication for that. Looking like a real sweet treat. Temptation make you want a piece, but you ain't getting me. Looking like a real sweet treat. Temptation make you want a piece, but you ain't getting me Can I get a hallelujah in the congregation? Thank God for the dedication for that For the dedication for that Can I get a hallelujah in the congregation? Thank God for the dedication for that 
the dedication for that. That's dedication from Kiera on the radio ECMA podcast. And as promised, Kiera is here with me. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me, Chris. No problem. Why don't you tell me about that song, Dedication? Yeah, so so Dedication is just this upbeat pop song that I came up with on the whim. It... I wrote it during a time where I was just, you know, I was going through like a writer's block and I just hopped on the piano and I just started playing um, like just these these two chords and I came up with like, how, you know, the drum fill, how I wanted that to sound. And while I was doing that, I was like scrolling through like uh, Facebook and I was um, I got inspiration from like a post of somebody that I used to used to know and was just like, you know, I like I dodged you know, that person, I dodged them as a bullet in my life. So I was just like, you know, thank God, you know, that I had the dedication to just, you know, to move on and, and to, and to bring in like, you know, better people into my life and to just thank God for, you know, where I currently was at, at that time, which was at school studying music. So that's how like the whole song like conceptualized really. And, and, um, it's a big part of it in the course for sure right right no i love that i love that sometimes like those kinds of decisions are just as important as when you do something intentional also avoiding something is really good too as well <laughs> so uh, i love that you you wrote a song for for just that and i don't know if there's many songs about that but uh, that's a really good song dedication i love that um so you're originally from syracuse new york and yes. now you reside in Prince Edward Island. So why don't you tell us how you came to Atlantic Canada? Yes. So before I uh, came to Atlantic Canada, I knew um, before I made the decision to come, I was I just graduated college from back home and I was on a break, um, just taking a year off to work. And I was just trying to figure out, like, you know, just gaining the courage to really go pursue what I really wanted to do, because I've always known I wanted to do music, um, but was just kind of scared to. Um, and on the whim, I tried out for Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Um, I forgot that I had applied. <laughs> but um, so um, when I got the notification that I, need, that I had an audition, I, me and my mom, we literally drew, drove from Syracuse to, to Boston, like with only like a day notice. Right. Went to the audition. Um, I wasn't even that prepared. My mom was like preparing me um, <laughs> on the way. She's a drill sergeant. I grew up in a military family. So okay. she Very was good. just drilling me for the interview and all that. And wow. And then I got my note, like I got my, um, acceptance fairly quickly like after after that audition i got my decision made um probably a month after i auditioned and i was like wow i'm gonna go to berkeley but then financially you know things just didn't work out but my advisor right. from the school pointed me towards the pathway program at um holland college in prince edward island and that's how that's how i got here had you heard about Prince Edward Island or the program before you got referred? I haven't. I haven't. But it's funny because, like, my dad knew about PEI because of, um, I think he saw he saw um, them featured on um, the Food Network channel. Oh. <laughs> funny on the Food Network. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's incredible. Must have been some kind of potato segment that they did. 
for sure because as soon as <laughs> as soon as he, he he saw it he was just like yeah i i've definitely i've seen that before and i've i've seen them somewhere and he's like oh the full network channel i was just like okay there you go <laughs> okay all right i love that and uh and and, uh, and you know pei is awesome and i'm sure as you're finding out um let me take you back and, and I want you to talk about your background in Syracuse, you know, especially about the influences of uh, some of the icons that you identify influencing your music, Beyonce, Alicia Keys, and your family as well. Tell me about the influences on your music growing up. Definitely. So I grew up in a musical family. There's a lot of instrumentalists, a lot of singers, um, but primarily like in the tight-knit, like, you know, home that I like grew up in it it was just primarily singers and my grandfather he had um this group called five to life they were like a, a quintet and um they just would sing like you know old r&b like stewop songs yeah and I was just very like fascinated with it and I would just go and I would like I don't think he knew at the time but I would just kind of like sit in on their practices like kind of like hide away and just like listen to them sing and listen to the harmony yeah. um and then um what's funny is that my family didn't really know i could sing until i was you know, about a teen because like i would just like you know wait for them all to leave the house and right. i would like <laughs> i would just like sing <laughs> sing my heart out and right. get on my sister's nerves and stuff right <laughs> when um before they came back my grandfather hurt me one day and was just like you should really you should really pursue this and and um I, after that i i definitely went like head first into into um pursuing what i wanted um i listened to a lot of beyonce growing up and i know that probably like listen to this listening to the song dedication and listening to my voice like the influence is most definitely there. I think yeah. she is, um, she's, she's my favorite performer, my favorite singer of all time. Um, so I really like everything that I've, I've learned. Like I, I really listened and I, and I studied her voice and other people that I admire, like, um, like Brandy and people, people like that in the R and B world. I really like studied their voice and, and, um, emulated that while trying to be myself absolutely and and i hear a lot of like your music has a lot of swagger to it you know like <laughs> you definitely like lots of attitude lots of swagger which i love i love that confidence and uh i hear a lot of brandy in there um erica badu as well oh, thank you <laughs> you know a lot of a lot of swagger in there you combined a lot of styles actually in your in your music in like it's r&b singing clever groups like you front a lot of hip-hop swagger in there as well every now and again oh, you try yes. your you try your hand at a little a little rapping which which is is really good i'm, I'm curious about like what particular style because you, you do combine a lot of styles like what what, yeah. what what particular style do you identify with the most yeah so i would say i definitely i i'm definitely um like I feel I'm innately R&B to the core, but I know that my influences, like my influences, everything around me literally comes out in my music. So growing up in Syracuse, New York, and growing up in New York in general, you yeah. know, it's a hip hop hub. Sure. So I grew up with a lot of people who um, 
were just talented in that way in the hip hop scene. And I've collaborated with people back at home and people in my family who, um, who love hip hop. So I've listened to a lot of hip hop. Also, there's like, you know, jazz festivals everywhere. So I, I grew up going to, to see those and, um, being influenced by that and being like, Oh, I love, like, I love, um, like I love that doo-wop and I love the, the, the spirit of jazz and, and I try to emulate that as much as possible like um, through my music. So I'm glad that it's it's evident. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And so do you see yourself like moving in that direction? Because like I said, I mean, there's a, there, there's a, a, a ton of styles in your sound. So are, are, do you see yourself moving in that direction more towards R&B, more towards jazz, like perhaps less towards uh, hip hop? Yeah, I definitely see myself um, going more towards R&B, pop. Like, I think that's go- going to be, you know, where I I, w- I thrive predominantly in music, even though I'll still hold on to those influences because I I just, as a lover of music, like, I, I can't, um, I cannot not, like, you know, utilize those genres. Sure, yeah. Because, I mean, the thing is, is that, like, your debut EP, Girl Next Door, like, was... I mean, very much in like with that swagger, with that attitude, you know, in the hip hop vein and and, yeah. and and the single dedication now, definitely more towards soulful singing. Yeah. Let me ask you about your production. Are, are you self-produced? Um, I self-produced for my EP, but I did collaborate with um, a friend of mine in the program for dedication. Um his name is Sidé. He goes by Sidé. That's his producer um, tag. Yeah. And, um, and and what's his background? What does he bring to your music? Oh, yeah. So so Sid is um, it's, it's crazy because, like, the music program here has brought a lot of people from, you know, just different walks of life. Sid is from India. Um, Sid likes, Sid likes um, like, old, like, old school hip-hop. Um, and when I like showed Sid like the beat of like what I wanted to be played on the track, like he knew immediately like what to do in the baseline. Like I-, I think because he knows um how I am and how I like articulate what I want the sound for the music to be, like um, you know, he got that and he emulated that. I told him I wanted like a groovy like baseline to the song, you know, something that um would be like unique to the song and would, you know, yeah. So I, he he really did bring like my vision to life for dedication and all that. It's a great track, absolutely awesome track. And and I'm interested in if any, what effect Prince Edward Island has on your music now? Now that you've been there for a while, do you think it has yeah. any effect? I think I think I'm currently like living it right now. I haven't. I can't say that I've seen like the PEI like influence in my music yet but i know it's going to be there because everything that i've you know that i've lived it's it's going to come out in some way in some form in music so i i know with like future um like future ideas and stuff that i've been you know thinking about i'm definitely going to have like um some pei like music influence in it like i've there's a big tr- uh, trad music scene here, Celtic music scene, and sure. I definitely have fallen fallen in love with it in in it in a way. So I'm like, I definitely feel like that's gonna come out some way. 
Yeah. Well, I, I'd be really interested to to hear how that, you know, that gets incorporated into your music because you're very good at incorporating a lot of styles. So that um, that'll be a nice little bent on your music going forward. And uh, and speaking of which, you know, like what what's next for you? You know, Dedication was released last year and your debut EP in 2019. So um, what's next? You know, what, when can we expect um, the debut album? I know. So I don't have a time. I don't have like a date specific yet for the album, but what I can say that I have that's on the way is I have so much more new music that is going to be released. I've just been, I'm in the processes, uh, process right now, just recording and writing and just, um, you know, writing what's genuine and creating stuff that, you know, just feels like it's me and, and touches me in a way. And I hope that when that stuff comes out, people can, um, you know, relate relate to it and um revere it like you know how they do dedication sure yeah and, and it's funny you know i was thinking about your music because like your soundcloud page is just is just filled with uh remixes and i think that being an r&b hip-hop style artist you can write a song and record it and uh and keep remixing it you know and, and putting it out there so yeah you can keep like you know like shining that diamond right you can keep yeah. like remixing it refining it you know which uh what you think is amazing and i think that uh your next stuff is going to be just fantastic so um you know i appreciate the track dedication and your debut ep it's great and uh we're going to see you at uh, ecma coming up in halifax hopefully hopefully um, i'm in the future I, I don't think i'll be there um for this coming year but for for next year hopefully Okay, great. Well, I'd love that. I'd love to see you live, too. This is Kiera. Thank you very much for appearing on the Radio ECMA podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. There's Kiera. Definitely looking forward to more stuff from her. And, and I just love the whole thing, the whole theme that we've been weaving throughout. Started with Anthony Carew, the producer of the Radio ECMA podcast right off the top, about taking the mantle, going for it, not wilting at all putting yourself forward. And I know Morgan, Tony, and Kiera doing just that. And it's fantastic advice. And don't forget about everything that's open. Tony talking about that at the beginning of the podcast, jury selection, showcases, and awards. Make sure you get on that stuff early. And for advice about all that, we've got episodes in season two that you can have a listen to to find out how to apply for showcases and awards. And that's the end of the podcast today. Thank you very much for being around for the season debut of the Radio ECMA podcast. Super appreciate it. Make sure you come back for more. Look, Tony is my producer. He's got it all lined up. So we've got some incredible episodes for you for the Radio ECMA podcast. More to come. I'm Chris Badstone. Bye for now. The Radio ECMA podcast with host Chris Batstone is produced by the East Coast Music Association, recorded at Imaging by Guido in St. John's, ibgrocks.com, supported by TD. Music by Cassie Mann. For more information on upcoming episodes, head to ecma.com or find us on socials at East Coast Music. Join us monthly. Thanks for listening.